Welcome to this Jeremy Bamba and White House Farm podcast. Today we'll discuss Jeremy Bamba's prison security status, also referred to as a category status. Jeremy is currently a category A prisoner, although he was downgraded on one occasion to be a category B prisoner. It was only the actions and complaints of the wider family members particularly his now deceased uncle Robert Beauflower, that ensured his status was increased again within weeks. We'll explore the circumstances surrounding this in detail and present the content of the official letters covering the issue. You'll also hear how the security status categories are decided upon and applied and restrictions will be explained along with the impact these have on the convicted. You'll find out why and how this affects Jeremy on a daily basis and how his most recent application for his category status to be reviewed resulted in a judicial review in 2020. Jeremy's category status not only affects his regime within the prison but also in who he can speak to on the phone and have contact with. He's only permitted to have 20 people on his phone list, which is extremely restricting. In addition, all his visitors have to be rigorously security checked and then approved by their local CID before any visits are permitted, and this can be a very lengthy process. It's also advantageous for the Ministry of Justice to keep Jeremy as a Category A prisoner because it prevents him from having access to the media, with restrictions on telephone calls and has resulted in filmed interviews being repeatedly refused. This podcast presentation will conclude with exclusive content from Jeremy himself about how he's affected by issues around his security status. The purpose of categorization is to assess the risks posed by a prisoner in terms of several criteria, which are their likelihood of escape or absconding, the risk of harm to the public in the event of an escape or absconding, any control issues that impact on the security and good order of the prison and safety of those within it. On conviction, a prisoner has at least one initial interview where certain risk factors are determined. According to government information, These initial interviews are where the prisoner is made aware of their rights and offered help with any physical or mental health issues, including drug and alcohol addictions or problems. The convicted is also advised which courses they can take part in and the prison rules and procedures are set out. It is at this stage that a prisoner is allocated a National Offender Management Number or NOMS and this number has to be included on all letters to Jeremy, or he won't receive them. In addition, the convicted person's property is seized to be stored within the prison until they are released. It is also at this stage that a security threat level is assigned to the prisoner, and is supposedly the lowest security category consistent with managing the risks that individual may pose. Adult male prisoners may be held in one of four security categories. Category A, prisoners whose escape would be highly dangerous to the public, the police or security of the state, and for whom the aim must be to make escape impossible. Category B, prisoners for whom the very highest conditions of security are not necessary 
but for whom escape must be made very difficult. Category C, prisoners who cannot be trusted in open conditions, but who do not have the resources or the will to make a determined escape attempt. Category D, prisoners who present a low risk, who can reasonably be trusted in open conditions and for whom open conditions are appropriate. On the 28th of October 1986, when Jeremy was convicted on a 10-2 majority verdict, he was immediately given a Category A status due to the serious nature of the crimes he was convicted of. This has impacted not only on which prisons he can be housed in, but also in his access to and contact with friends, journalists and supporters, and dictates his daily regime within the prison. On the 27th of June 1991, as a result of a review of his security status during the City of London Police Inquiry, Jeremy was downgraded to Category B. This was set out in a letter to Jeremy dated the 16th of September 1991, which he received from a Mr Woodhead of the Lifer Unit. Mr Woodhead wrote, The Director General has considered the recommendation of the Category A Committee on the 27th of June 1991 and the decision is that the inmate is downgraded to Category B, Dispersal Prison. To quote, the committee noted that the offences had been narrowly targeted and there was no sign of mental illness or further evidence from prison after six years in custody to suggest that Bamba would be a danger to the public at large. The Governor and Wing Governor recommended Bamba's downgrading in view of his cooperative attitude, good behaviour, and it is suggested that he does not rank with the other mainstream cates. Prior to this decision being taken, the relatives, namely Anne Eaton, David Beauflower, and their father Robert Beauflower, had informed the City of London Police that they considered they were in danger should Jeremy Bamber ever be released or escape. On the 13th of May 1991, Superintendent McKay of the City of London Police wrote a letter to Roger Phillips of Essex Police as part of his monthly roundup about the ongoing investigation for the Police Complaints Authority. In this letter, he raised awareness of the concerns of the relatives and said, Lastly, when talking to the relatives and others involved in the initial investigations, there is a genuine fear amongst them that should Bamba ever escape, then their lives would be in danger. This concern I have made known to the police, prison liaison department, who have entered a minute to that effect in Bamba's file. However, even though they were fully aware of this prior to making a decision about Jeremy's security status, the Home Office proceeded with the downgrade as they knew Jeremy was not mentally ill, is non-psychopathic and never had indicated that he would be an escape risk and he wasn't a danger to anyone. It was at this time that Jeremy had a telephone conversation with Superintendent McKay. During this conversation, McKay advised Jeremy that the investigation had uncovered the existence of two sound moderators featuring in the case. McKay then advised Jeremy that he'd soon be back in the Court of Appeal because this evidence meant that the conviction could no longer be sustained. Jeremy asked if this was the reason that his security status had been lowered and McKay said that it was. On the 12th of September 1991, an article was published in the News of the World 
which gave details of how Jeremy was now not considered to be a danger to the public and that his security status had been downgraded to Category B. The article stated he would be allowed home visits later in his sentence. This was not true and it was simply media hype because Jeremy would never have been permitted to have home visits being a whole life tariff prisoner. However, this fallacious and irresponsible reporting by the media apparently sparked the relatives into immediate action. For the first time in any of her evidence given since 1985, Annie now began to state that she had a fear of Jeremy since the incident had occurred on the 7th of August 1985. This apparent fear was set out at least nine times in her draft statements to the City of London Police during their investigation of the conduct of she and her father during the initial murder inquiry. I didn't want Jeremy to hear me. I didn't want to be killed next. Personally, began to have trouble sleeping at night thinking of him climbing through the window to get at me with a gun. And... I was in fear of my life if Jeremy ever got to hear that I suspected him of killing Uncle Neville and the others. Yet, oddly, there's no record of her ever having said this to any police officer at any time in the past, and she'd not said this at the trial. It therefore seems reasonable to assume that the only motivation Anne had for being so vocal and setting out these apparent fears was to impact on Jeremy's downgraded security status. She had six years of living and working at White House Farm and had benefited financially from Jeremy's conviction in many ways, including profits from the caravan site. Jeremy's release and exoneration of any involvement in the shootings would have been a financial catastrophe for Anne and her husband, Peter. When Anne's father, Robert Bowflower, saw the report in the newspaper, he immediately made a complaint to the Home Office. As a result of this, Jeremy was upgraded to Category A again. In a letter from the Home Office to the Royal Courts of Justice dated 30th of July 1992, it is stated, He was held as a Category A from 1985 until September 1991 following the annual review of his security status. He was downgraded to Category B. The change was reported in the press and there followed immediate representations from the remaining members of the Bamba family and the police to the effect that the family would still be at grave risk from Bamba if he was to escape or be released. One of those members of his family was Mr Robert Beaufort, who I understand is also a defendant at the civil case in August. In the light of those representations, Bamba's security category was again reviewed and it was decided that he should be reclassified back to a Category A prisoner. Interestingly, the letter stated that not only had the relatives made objections, but so had the police. It is strongly suspected that former DSI Ainsley, who took over the investigation and created the case against Jeremy, made a complaint. DSI Ainsley was later employed as head of security on the Beauflowers and Eaton's O.C. Road caravan site. 
and he remains very vocal about Jeremy's case to this day. What is striking is that the relatives had made their concerns known before Jeremy's security status was reduced to Category B, and that the prison and home office had been advised of these concerns, as well as this information being held in Jeremy's prison file, and yet it's still being downgraded. The LIFER section must have noted these concerns made by Superintendent McKay, which were raised in 1991, and yet they still felt Jeremy's case warranted a reduction in his security status. Another matter to consider is that the Home Office were well aware that in 1988 Jeremy's sentence had been increased to a whole life order, and therefore there was no possible prospect of Jeremy being allowed on home visits at any point in his sentence. It now seems likely that the only reason the relatives, particularly Robert Beauflower, made further complaints on this issue was that they would soon be facing Jeremy across a courtroom on a civil matter regarding inheritance issues which he had lodged. In addition, it would impact negatively on Jeremy's credibility to be a Category A prisoner. It is also apparent that not for the first time, and it would certainly not be the last, political interference played a major factor with this issue. Within weeks of Jeremy's category status being upgraded to Category A again, he was moved from HMP Gartree to HMP Frankland, where he patiently awaited the outcome of the City of London police investigation. Jeremy was convinced that his case would go back to the appeal court as that's what he'd been told by Superintendent McKay because the inquiry discovered evidence that two silencers had featured in the case. However, when Jeremy received the report three months after moving to Franklin, he was astounded that not only had the case not been referred to the Court of Appeal, but there was no mention anywhere that the City of London Police had uncovered the existence of two sound moderators. The lowering of Jeremy's security status would not have made any difference to the chances of him being released, but it certainly would have made his life in custody a little less restrictive and would assist his campaign for freedom significantly. As it stands, Category A prisoners are kept under the strictest conditions and have very little privacy. Even telephone calls to friends and loved ones are all recorded and monitored and all incoming and outgoing post is read. Jeremy makes an application every year to have his security status reviewed and reduced. He has passed numerous psychological tests which prove he's not a threat or a danger and yet his applications are repeatedly refused. This is often on grounds such as that he is physically fit and therefore apparently considered more dangerous. One of the tests Jeremy has to have annually is called the OASIS test. This stands for Offender Assessment System and is conducted within the prison. This test identifies key areas and gives a score which helps the prison service assess risk factors. OASIS is designed to assess how likely an offender is to reoffend identify and classify offended-related needs, assess risk of serious harm, risks to the individual and other risks, inform the development of a plan to manage the risk of harm presented by the offender, link the assessment to the supervision or sentence plan, 
indicate the need for further specialist assessments. Measure change during the period of supervision or sentence. The test helps to identify the risks the individual poses so that decisions can be taken in how to minimise those risks and how to tackle their offending behaviour effectively. The average score obtained by the majority of prisoners is in the 70s and 80s. Jeremy's score has consistently been around 12, indicating he is extremely low risk. In 2020, Jeremy's lawyers, who deal with his prison issues, Dean Kingham of Swain & Co Solicitors and Matthew Stanbury of Garden Court North, challenged a decision by the Director of the Long-Term and High Security Estate on behalf of the Secretary of State for Justice in refusing to downgrade Jeremy yet again. In addition, the Judicial Review also challenged the refusal to allow an oral hearing to take place on the categorisation question. An important factor of Jeremy's application was the inclusion of an independent psychologist report which is dated the 14th of May 2019. And this was carried out by Dr Kerry Beckley, who stated facts such as He does not evidence the usual range of risk factors known to be associated with violence and the nature of the index offence was very specific. You would also deem Mr Bamber's risk to the public to be low were he to be in the community. I am not of the opinion that his risk of future violence warrants him remaining a Category A prisoner. In my opinion, this test is met and therefore Category A conditions are no longer necessary to manage Mr Bamber. The Judicial Review Application Hearing was held on the 12th of October 2020 via video link at Leeds High Court. Justice Julian Knowles, who in June 2020 had ruled against the defence in the Judicial Review relating to the CPS's non-disclosure of key evidence in the case, was presiding. Following arguments presented for both sides, Justice Knowles denied the judicial review and added that an oral hearing would add nothing to the application. We believe that it's only correct that Jeremy's views about how his Category A security status affects his life daily on both a prison and personal level should be the conclusion of this podcast. Jeremy Bamber wrote to us and said I've remained Cat A because my relatives complained yet there's no evidence that I'm any different how I was when I was downgraded in 1991. If I'd have been kept to my Cat B status in 1991 then by now I would have been serving my sentence in a semi-open or open jail. Still in jail because I'm on a whole life tariff but more than likely working in the community but living in a prison. Instead I cannot see who I like on visits, cannot have any contact with anyone under the age of 18, cannot telephone who I want. I am strip searched many times a month, rubbed down, searched at least once per day, but usually two or three times a day. My cell and possessions are searched thoroughly every few weeks, and the totality of my possessions must fit into two small boxes. The situation is so much worse for me because I've maintained my innocence. Most of the big differences between being a Cat A prisoner and a Cat B prisoner are well documented and published by the Home Office. Of course, there have been various changes to the conditions I've had to endure over the past 36 years. At one stage, Cat A prisoners were expected to move cells every two weeks and sleep with a nightlight on throughout the night. We still have to move cells periodically, but not so often, and we no longer have to sleep with a nightlight on. Instead, 
The nighttime patrol officer turns your light on in your cell once an hour when they do their regular nighttime checks. I've not had an unbroken night's sleep for 35 of the past 36 years. A Cat B prisoner does not need to have their visitors checked out by the police. A Cat A prisoner does. If a visitor is refused permission to visit, all the police need to say is that it's for security reasons. That catch-all means that no one needs to give a reason. All our phone calls are recorded and listened to. All of my mail is censored coming into or out of the jail. My cell is searched at least once every 28 days and I have to move cells on a regular basis. I cannot have a job in many areas of the jail. I get strip searched after every visit, including if I've seen my lawyers. In fact, as a Cat A prisoner, the level of observation and scrutinisation that is carried out on every aspect of my day-to-day -day routine is almost absolute. For example, there is no privacy. Even the books I read are listed and logged. You would think that at least my thoughts are private, but in many ways that's not strictly true. Our days in prison are filled with dozens of petty obstacles, applications for everything, queuing for everything while a gate or a door is unlocked. The banging and the shouting. It's hard to think of an eagle soaring over the Grand Canyon when you're trying to find out why exercise has been cancelled again for the third time this week. As a Cat B prisoner, none of these security restrictions apply, even if you're in the same jail. No one thing is much of an issue on its own, but cumulatively over 35 years it has become completely dehumanising to the point where I've become utterly institutionalised. I don't care that they make me strip off my clothes whenever they want. I don't care that I'm disturbed every hour throughout the night when my cell light is turned on. I don't care that everything I say or write to the outside world is listened to, recorded or read. I have surrendered to that repetitive routine of mind-numbing days that become years, that become decades, because in the end that torture becomes my normal. I'm sure that to the Home Office my Cat A security restrictions are little more than a small intrusion into my life. The truth is that this is a very cruel and unusual punishment that to any reasonable person could, and I believe would, be classed as torture. I've been a Category B prisoner for a few months in 1991-1992, so I know the difference that makes. Do I need to be a Category A? Of course not. But I am, and there is nothing I can do about it.